Today was a really good podcast. We talked to you for most of it. Although we did burn a witch. Uh, and I feel pretty good about it. Feel pretty good about it. Thomas Massey was on. And, um, you know, he tried to put up a defense for his witchcraftery. Um, but uh, we ended up burning him at the stake. Because that's what we need to do. Round up the mob. Burn him up at the stake. Um, he tried to defend himself on why he wouldn't stand with uh, all the other Republicans. Something about, I don't know, uh, you can never trust these bills when they're really this vague. <laughs> Whatever, witch. Uh, we also give you some important information uh, on how to look at the situation in Ukraine and Russia. Don't miss a second of this podcast. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is the place to go for your Blaze TV subscription. Don't miss that. As well as getting the new book, The Great Reset. It's actually in bookstores. Yes, physical copies of the book have finally come in, and you can get them around the country. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, as well as Stu Does America. New episode of that coming out later today as well. Shut up. Uh, Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Do you have the, you have his theme before we bring him on? Yeah. Thomas Massey is joining us now. Speak, witch. Speak. <laughs> Glenn, I fully support the right of the people of Ukraine to self-determination. And that's exactly that what a witch would trial. say. That's, yeah, that's that part of my trial will be redacted, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, it will be. That's that's just the that's these are the lies that witches say. Thomas, in I fact, go ahead. In, in fact, I would I would send them some of my guns if I hadn't lost them in a boating accident. Yeah, that's, that's so weird. Picture. So many boating accidents happening all over the nation right now. Uh, Thomas, uh, I saw this story. Uh, there are three of you and I don't. I don't know. I don't know the other two, but I know you and I know you're a very bright man. I know you're a libertarian. Um, and so there are things that we may disagree on when it comes to, you know, um, war or military involvement, et cetera, et cetera. On this one, I, I, I don't want to do anything to escalate this. I, I'd like Putin to go away. I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, a picture of him with a bullet in the head, but not our bullet, not our bullet. Um, right. Uh, and yesterday there was a, a vote that, it, you know, like the Patriot Act, all patriots voted for. And you voted against this resolution to support Ukraine. Speak which. Why? <laughs> OK, the resolution was seven pages long and the most troubling uh, part of it. I'll tell you right now, it called for additional and immediate, quote, defensive security assistance. Unquote. This term is so broad. What does it mean? Does it mean American boots on the ground? Does it mean the no-fly zone that that uh, one of my colleagues, a few of my colleagues, have already called for? I mean, imagine that shooting down Russian jets, playing chicken—not just playing chicken, but engaging another nuclear power. So that was the first problem I had with this. And the next problem was we're, we condemn the country of Belarus. And, and basically pledged to overthrow their government. What the hell? Can't we de-escalate what we're getting into right now before we start overthrowing another government? But that's inside the scope 
of this resolution that I voted against. The next thing calls for fully isolating Russia economically. I don't think people understand what this means. If Putin shut off the oil and gas going to Germany, they would go dark in a matter of hours, I believe. It's like there's the, some asymmetry here. Of course, Russia would suffer, but the, and the people there who are protesting Putin, ironically, would suffer. But American people are going to suffer if that really happens, if there's real sanctions that would cripple him. Right now, they aren't. They're, they're actually kind of a joke right now. But, the, the, uh, for instance, we import over a billion dollars of fertilizer from Russia. You think food prices are high now? Take a yep. billion dollars of fertilizer off the fields in the United States. Uh, so I've, are- I've already talked to the people that, you know, work my farm. I have a small farm uh, and, you know, I I'm a farmer. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, then I, I called them. I said, hey, about the fertilizer. We use that, don't we? And they said, yeah. And most of it comes from Russia and China. We don't know. 300 percent price increase already on fertilizer and i'm told we're not even sure if we can get it that will mean anywhere from uh a crop yield of only 70 percent to 40 percent depending on where you are that's that's going to drive the cost of food through the roof it's yes it's madness we shouldn't be uh engaged in an economic war but that's what that's my problem with this resolution it's the drumbeat to go to further war and into economic war. And I've got an obligation to 750,000 people in Kentucky. If there's a, let's say there's a 1% chance of a nuclear war in the next six months coming out of this conflict, that may be high, it may be low, but if I can do something to reduce that chance, I should do it. And if I do anything to double that probability, that's a problem. I have failed in my job. So I couldn't vote for this sanction. It was seven pages long. It's like a piece of bubble gum that was rolled through cat hair. They stuck <laughs> everything on it. Okay. Well, that's exactly what we'd expect a witch to say. Uh, <laughs> and we all know that witches can't read. So, yeah, I read the seven pages. Um, I don't know why they don't just stop with all the seven pages stuff and just give you the name of the act and vote on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's, that is seeming like what people were expecting you to do. Just read yeah. the title and say, well, yeah, I yeah. support Ukraine. I guess I'll vote for this. Yeah. The one thing the one thing that is said uh, about you and, and I think Bernie Sanders, they say this about Bernie Sanders, too, is you read the bills. Very few people do. You read the bills. I read the bills and then try to predict what the impact of the bill will be. Not just how does it sound on the news. But what, it, what are the real-world ramifications of implementing these policies? And I'm going to say this again because it's probably already been redacted from my mm. testimony here oh, today yeah. on your show. Oh, yeah. I support the people of Ukraine. They have the right to self-determination. Here's the problem, though. They shouldn't be a stepchild of the Soviet Union or the European Union. Like, it's like a custody battle for, for what should be a sovereign country. That's what I'm worried about. Now, if the Ukrainian people, and it seems like they are, are willing to fight for their own land. By the way, do you notice now Democrats are for nationalism, but yeah. it's still a curse word mm-hmm. used uh, here. But if, if the nationalists of Ukrainian nationalists, and I'm not talking about Nazis, that's all right. I probably just lost. Mm, the yeah, you're, you're a witch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> light the stake, the, will you? <laughs> sure. All the, right. If the 
people who have some national pride in their country of Ukraine, if they have enough shared common characteristics and ideals, if they band together and, and throw off Putin and his aggression, then they can keep their country and they will have it and they can be a free people. But they damn well better keep those guns that they're handing out to them. Otherwise, without the equivalent of a Second Amendment, any country is always going to be prone to being overthrown from outward dictators or homegrown dictators taken over. So, Thomas, what do you th- what do you foresee happening here? I mean, two weeks ago, if you'd say, well, we, you know, somebody might launch a nuke, I would have been, okay, are you talking Korea? Um, not Russia or the United States being involved in a nuclear war. Two weeks ago, if somebody would have said to me, and remember, I'm the doomsday guy. This is this is my playground. Uh, if somebody would have said, you know what, in two weeks, we could be on the edge of World War Three. I would have said that's madness. There's no way that's going to happen. Where is this headed? Well, we can't we can't know what Putin is thinking. Uh, you Do know, we what, know what, what we're on? thinking? <laughs> No, we don't. We're not thinking. There's, it's a, these things are being tried in social media right now. We, think of all the lies you were told at the beginning of COVID by your government and through uh, COVID and by the media and, and, and by the corporations. And then now you have to treat all of the information you're getting about Ukraine with, with the knowledge that you've been lied to for two years on COVID. Correct. But where, where is this going? Um, you know, one Russian strategy seems to be to probe and withdraw. Maybe if he can't, since the people of Ukraine have not laid down their arms, maybe he retreats back to the two eastern territories, you know, probes as far as he can go and then uh, settles on the two eastern territories. I don't know. I, but it is my obligation to keep us out of a World War III or another Afghanistan, whatever it, this turns out to be. We should not have our men and women dying over there when Germans are buying oil from Putin. How would you, what would you um, say to those who would say, oh, so you're Neville Chamberlain, peace at any cost? Um, I, <laughs> oh, I've never been accused of that, Glenn. I, <laughs> I was ready for Putin's puppet, actually. I wasn't yeah, well. prepared to answer that Neville Chamberlain. I, like I said, I would, if it were legal, I would ship half of the guns in my house to Ukrainians because the, their fate is up to them right now. They have a right to be armed. I would give them my arms, but I will not go to the American taxpayer and say, I'm going to conscript your money. if not your sons and daughters, your money into this war uh, with Russia between Russia and Ukraine. And by the way, that is what happened in world war two private individuals sent Englishmen, their their guns. So private U.S. citizen shipped all their guns over to, and I I know this to be true because of uh, a gun that came up for auction at one point. It was a gun um, that was used by the I think gold medal winner in the Olympics for sharpshooting, um, and he put a plaque on it said this gun belongs to after use, please return it to. Uh, And it was used in the Second World War. We did that before. And, you know, it's like, I don't have a problem. If you're a soldier and you're out of the U.S. service, 
um, if you want to fly over and put a Ukrainian uniform on, I don't have a problem with that. There are things that private individuals can do, and they should if it's legal. Absolutely. But by um, if we put more powerful weapons into Ukraine, that is going to put a target on us. Again, you know, if the, if the aggression needs to be checked, then you've got European countries there. Here's one thing that troubles me, though, that the president of Ukraine is is pleading to be admitted to the EU. I think that's uh, problematic. Why? And I well, I think they should remain a sovereign nation. I, uh, you know, the uh, Britain just got out of the EU. That's sort of the next level of freedom. This this tendency to go to a union, eventually there'll be one union. Mm. And, uh, this isn't helping my trial either, I realize. <laughs> <laughs> wow, now he's off in unions. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Thomas, what well, about the what about the argument of I mean, because what you describe, I think everyone would support that that Ukrainians should be able to fight for their own freedom and, and have the right of self-determination. But if they are overwhelmed when it comes to uh, to technology and brute force, are we just empowering the worst people with the most deadly armies to mm-hmm. take over wherever they want to go? Thank you, Grand Inquisitor. <laughs> I don't think you can overpower a determined people if at least 30% of them are determined. Did, did we overpower the, the tribal people in uh, Afghanistan? No. I mean, you, it can be a temporary condition of oppression, but if the people refuse to be oppressed, they will, there's no way to oppress them. And it's, it's only with their consent. And, and Putin miscalculated, I do believe. I think he thought there was this nostalgia in the Ukraine uh, in Ukraine that was shared with Russia, but it's not there. There are two generations of Ukrainians mm-hmm. that have grown up without uh, being under the Soviet Union, and they have their own uh, national identity. Can I even say that word? They have their own national no, identity. You can't. You can't. We're gonna, okay, we're passing judgment. You're a witch. Uh, <laughs> we'll burn you at the stake later. Thomas, thank you so much for explaining this. Um, you know, and I, I, I think I mainly agree with you. It's a tough position uh, to be in. I don't like the loose language. And if that's the reason for not voting for it, I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, and I think I agree with you on, on the rest of it. But uh, this, this idea that we can't have differing opinions is really, really dangerous. Uh, there is nuance in life. And we better preserve nuance or we will be in a self-imposed cage of tyranny thanks thomas i appreciate it the witch thank you glenn thomas massey you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program this is the glenn beck program we're really glad that you've uh that uh, you've tuned in this morning today i want to hear from you you've been hearing from me for a while uh i want to hear what you are thinking let's go to shannon in missouri hello shannon shannon are you there hey glenn and Stu. hi thank you so much for i am hi <laughs> uh thank you for taking my call um i listen to you guys every day and i'm really thankful for what 
you and the blaze does to bring truth and clarity to some really crazy times. Thank you. Um, I think probably what I'm, what I'm feeling mostly is a sense of just what can I do to, to change things? Um, it's these last couple of weeks, uh, have brought what seems like a, almost a sense of paralysis <laughs> and, I'm not that kind of a person. I'm really working hard to be prepared to help my family and friends be prepared and sometimes feel very isolated mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, yeah, <laughs> I heard another caller mention that and, and it's, I can, I can relate to that. Um, can I, I can just, I, before you go on, I, let me, I'm let, at a point. hang on just a second. Before you go on, let me just uh, share something that one of my family members wrote to me last, uh, last night. Glenn, I was listening the other day when you had the new employee on that works with you just moved from Florida. Uh, she is the one that wrote Glenn's book for dummies on preparing or something of that nature. When she mentioned thinking about all that needs to be done was so overwhelming, I could totally relate. She went on to say she realized she just needed to start somewhere, one thing at a time. Small steps make big progress. You're not alone in feeling overwhelmed. Quite honestly, my wife and I are are overwhelmed at times with it because you look at all of the things that have to be done. The only thing you have to do is the next right thing. Do one right thing and then do the next right thing and Take it one piece at a time. Don't get overwhelmed. Right. I, those are really good words to take to heart. And I'm, I'm always saying the same thing to those around me, do the next right thing. And I'm a firm believer in that. And I think that I just need to keep doing what I'm doing but probably in smaller chunks to make it a little more digestible and not feel so overwhelmed and not be viewed um, as the, you know, the crazy lady. Yeah, I know. The, I know. It's you know, hard. You get the look of, I have three horns growing out of my head. It is. And, but, and I try to tell them, look, I, this is, I, I'm not wearing my tinfoil hat today. You can go look this up for yourself. You know, um, Shannon, it's, it's one thing. Kind of, it's one thing to have people say that you're a conspiracy theorist. Two years ago, six months ago, it's all out in the open. You can you can go and look at it. Look, if you think I'm crazy, go to Treasury.gov, go to WhiteHouse.gov, go to WEF, uh, you know, dot org. Look it up for yourself. For the for the love of Pete, just open up your eyes. Two weeks ago, we weren't even talking about nuclear war. Last weekend. We were at DEFCON 2 in the European theater. Don't tell me that this is insane. Nothing is insane anymore. Two years ago, the Pentagon came out and said, yep, it's probably aliens. Uh, They're tracking us, and we've got them on tape for two solid weeks. We're tracking them. Uh, Looks like alien technology. We're not alone in the universe. And nobody said anything. Are you kidding me? That's kind of a big deal. So don't tell me that uh, that oh, that's unreasonable. Nothing has been unreasonable. Nothing is as it was. Thanks for your phone call. Uh, let me go to uh, Austin in Montana. Hello, Austin. 
Hi, Glenn. Hi, Stu. How are you guys? Very good. Yeah, um, I just had a quick question for you. Um, ever since this whole crisis in Ukraine, whatever we want to call it, started a week ago, um, I keep, I've had something in the back of my mind ever since that uh, was reminded to me of from back in 2014. I'm sure you saw it at the time, um, but if you don't remember, I, hopefully this will remind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obama gave a speech to the UN General Assembly. Mm-hmm. And during his speech, he mentioned like something like 13 times the words verbatim, New World Order. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about his globalist agenda. Mm-hmm. Immediately after he finished his speech, which was like 40 minutes long, uh, Putin got up and he was furious. And he gave uh, an impromptu speech that... Um, just totally, you know, went the exact opposite. He was kind of saying, you guys are all idiots. Why would you ever fall for this stuff? And that was actually the first time that I really got a taste of who Vladimir Putin was. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's anti-globalist, which means, you know, you guys were joking about, like, if he could disappear or, you know, be taken out somehow. Mm-hmm. He's one of the few people on the planet that are actually fighting the globalist agenda. So I'm okay. just curious if you remember that and what, what are yeah. your thoughts on that? So, okay, so Austin, that's a really important question because that shows the beginning of understanding of the situation. It, Vladimir Putin is fighting the globalist agenda, but that doesn't mean he's on your side or you should be on his side. He is talking about restoring the world to um, uh, the way it was before modernity, before there was, uh, you know, this embracing of transsexual story time uh, reading uh, and our our values and our faith and everything else. He's also against individualism. Okay, he's against the classical liberal idea that the individual matters so he's not on your side this is a distinctly american idea that rights were given to us by god we are vastly outnumbered around the world Um, people are fighting all over the world for a different way of life the elites are all fighting for a globalist agenda where it's all just a new world order and it's going to be great uh where there are really there's countries but they don't really count and they're all equal that's not going to work and th- th- we know because of look at how they view individuals if they if you disagree with them they shut you off All right, now we're trying to shut off Vladimir Putin. And we feel like that's a good thing because of the atrocity that he is doing now in Ukraine. I am for Ukraine. That doesn't make me uh, it doesn't make me necessarily uh, for the government of Ukraine. I'm for the people of Ukraine. I'm for the people of Russia. Putin is not. Globalists are not. Therefore, the collective, which the collective gives them power and gives them power to eliminate anyone with a different opinion. So be very, very, very carefully uh, careful 
um, on on saying who's fighting for our traditional values, who's fighting for freedom. He is not fighting for freedom. He is fighting for an end to Western liberalism. And that is happening on both the right and the left, the the great reset people and the people like China and Russia. They do not believe in the individual. They are fighting for collective identity, period. Hope that helps uh, helps you out. Austin, um, let's go to Rebecca. Hello, Rebecca. How are you? Hi, I'm good, Glenn. Um, talking about not knowing if you have power in this world, I wanted to bring up something that's happening regionally, and it could happen in the whole of the United States. There's a, a legislation going through Mississippi, Tennessee, and Arkansas. They're all the same wording. It concerns Region Smart, um, it, and Region Smart is a a very progressive entity with ties to the urban uh, land initiatives, which oh, boy. all over the country as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so. This is Region Smart. It is a Region Smart Development Interstate Compact between Arkansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee um, on line 308. It gives this Region Smart, this private entity, which is very progressive, uh, eminent domain powers, broad eminent domain Oh, my domain gosh. Um, it says, and this is 308, to exercise the powers of eminent domain and condemnation over any and all rights or property of any kind or character necessary for the purposes of Region Smart Development. That's the same in all of this legislation on line 208. It allows, this is where the Soros's, the Black Rocks, the yep, yep, yep. Um, whatever Black will come in, it's mm-hmm. okay. It's in line 208. Um, it gives them the uh, to receive for its lawful activities contributions of money, non-governmental entities, or from individuals. That means any money can come to Region Smart for disbursement of funds for whatever it wants. Um, so the legislation in Mississippi is SB 2716. Please, in Mississippi, call your legislatures and really call your governors because they can stop it. It went through oh unanimously God. in the Senate in Mississippi, <sighs> quietly. It's going quietly through. In Tennessee, the, there's two bills, one in the Senate, which is 1915. That's SB 1915. And in the House, it's 1989. Um, and the language is the same. It is working its way through. It's been tabled to next week, uh, but it needs calls. You need to call your senators and you need to call your legis- legislatures, your House of Reps and the governor in Tennessee to stop this. It started in Tennessee. It has great roots in Tennessee. So what Region Smart will do is have control over boards in these states that are unelected appointed boards. So what it takes away is, and I'm sorry, the Arkansas bill is SCR1. Theirs is more... Um, is pushed back a little because of their legislature's session is different than the other two. Mm -hmm. So that hasn't come forward yet. Uh, So what, what will happen is these commissions unelected appointed boards. So what it takes is individual sovereignty from their property rights, uh, local control away and state sovereignty away. So you're giving up to this unelected board, like an oligarchy that will have control over who keeps their property and who doesn't. And it also has broad controls over the use of all infrastructure you can think of. They can highways, drainage ditches, disposal, um, terminals, water supply. I'm reading from the legislation right now. Okay, so so look, here's the thing. Um, I am not educated on this. This is the first I'm hearing about it. It's region smart. 
Um, Rebecca is telling us that it is in legislation in Arkansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee. I can guarantee if it's in those three states, it's other places as well or something like it. This is very important. You must do your own homework. Go and look these bills up um, before you do anything. Look them up. Look up Region Smart. Find out what it is. Educate yourself and then call and you have to stand up. Here's the, here's what's going to separate the men from the boys here. People are going to roll their eyes and say, this will never happen. And that's when those things happen. When everybody is just saying, it's a conspiracy. It will never happen. You are going to, they have told you, you will own nothing by 2030. That's their goal in the Great Reset. You will own nothing. Well, how do they do that? Especially with with a country that is all about ownership, individual ownership. How do they do it? From every angle they can. They're going to bankrupt us. They'll make sure that you're behind the eight ball. They will tax, regulate the land, your house, everything else. Do you know that um, the biggest buyer uh, lately for homes in the last few weeks? Banks. And banks here in Texas are buying them at $100,000 more than the asking price. Nobody can afford a home here. Why are banks... Why are they buying that up? Hmm. Because if you don't own something, you will have to rent it from Mr. Potter, who owns this town. Please, please get involved. By the way, I'm going to, I think, South Carolina in a couple of weeks uh, about ESG. I'm going to be speaking some uh, to some uh, of the people uh, who are running your state trying to get them on board to pass some ESG legislation. Uh, and I am, uh, we all have to work on this. Please call your Senate, your House, and your um, governor and make sure they are very well aware of what's going on. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. I want to talk to you a little bit about I, I really truly believe this audience is going to play a role in saving the nation. I don't know how that happens, but I, I felt that so strongly after 9-11, after 08. And it wasn't about those times. It was about, I think, maybe these times. It was the future um, that you are listening for a reason. And reason is the operative word. The the world has become unreasonable and unstable. It is not the world, as I told you yesterday, not the world that you grew up in and you have to think out of the box. It's really difficult, especially for people uh, like you and me that feel very alone, feel like nobody is standing up. Nobody's listening to us. Nobody appreciates what we're talking about we're not talking about overthrowing the government we're saying let's restore we need refounders we need people to restore the values and principles that have united not only america but the western world 
for generations. There's real problems. We should clean those problems up, but let's not throw away the good parts of our society. And we're throwing them away. And quite honestly, we are celebrating evil now. Our country uh, and the West has become so decadent. And quite honestly, I think evil is running a lot of it. And there's a lot of people that just can't see it. And there's a reason for that. Things happen slowly over time. You're boiled slowly, so you don't really notice it. You have a normalcy bias. You look for the things that are normal. And you dismiss warning signs because you're freaked out. And the normalcy bias is something that is in all of us. It is honestly a blessing. Because when we're in bad situations, we can function Otherwise, if we didn't have that natural normalcy bias, we wouldn't be able to function in very stressful situations. But just because that's a natural thing, it's a protection of us. Don't let it rule you. And that's what's happening all over the world, quite honestly. Look at what the world is saying. The world is saying two things. The elites are saying more power for us, more control for us. We know how to fix everything, and we're going to do it either as a nation state, China or Russia uh, or Turkey, or we're going to uh, do it through a great reset and the globe will be one. America, England, the EU, Japan. Those are the two choices for the elites. What are you hearing from Brexit to the yellow vests to the Tea Party to the Canadian truckers? You're hearing the same thing. Leave us alone and stop telling us our country sucks. Stop telling us that we're the problem of of all the world's ills. Like you people had nothing to do with this. Like you elites, you've been running the damn thing. And we're to blame? Get out. That's really what we're saying. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. We know our friends and neighbors can do a better job at running things than you're running from whatever capital you're in. That's the feeling. There's also a feeling that it has. We're open minded people. We are. We're decent people that will live. We'll tolerate so much. Tolerate so much. It's we're not hateful people unless we're taught to hate. Um, but there's a feeling like, is anyone going to stand up for two plus two is four? Is anyone going to stand up for marriage? Is anyone going to stand up for hard work, a work ethic? Is anybody going to stand up for real education, real history? Who's standing up for these things? Will anybody stand up for God for the love of Pete? That's happening also in varying degrees, especially on the God thing, all around the world. And our churches have pretty much sold us down the river. Where are our churches? You know, I was having dinner with somebody last night, and we were talking about how, um, how close to the edge we all are. And where's leadership? And after, the, after the, the, the dinner, I was talking to a friend as we were walking to the car. And I said, you know what? We need a Martin Luther King. But where the hell are they? 
We need somebody who understands the American ideals and principles and values, the Bill of Rights that can talk common sense and also understands that individual freedom comes from God. There is no one on earth that is a champion for individual freedom. Now, I bring this up because we feel alone and there is a great urge to see ourselves in other people. And when you see people like the Canadian truckers, when you see people like the Ukrainians that are suffering and you have a tyrant, A, it's part of America to want to be involved. It's that that's in our blood. We go to help. Okay. Who's going to defend freedom if it's not us? Nobody. Everybody else will stand and watch. So that's in us. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But you have to be really, really careful. Really careful. There are There is a game being played. And as Steve Day said last night on my TV program, the lowest stakes we're playing. The lowest stakes we're playing for is the freedom and the existence of the Western way of life. Those are the lowest stakes, guys. This could all be over quickly. Let's walk with reason. Let me show you how some really smart guys and some really bright populations uh, really destroyed themselves and were misguided. Let me start with the French Revolution. I'm going to tell you the story about the day that Thomas Jefferson uh, and, um, and Thomas Paine went to visit George Washington. Now, if it wasn't for Thomas Paine, we wouldn't have had the Declaration of Independence. If it wasn't for, John, uh, for Thomas Jefferson, nobody would have written it. It wouldn't have been written the same, and I think it wouldn't have been nearly as powerful. Because that came from him. And if it wasn't for George Washington, we wouldn't have won. We wouldn't have been able to hold it together. He was the guy that everybody trusted. So here are the three, some of the three biggest heroes in our, in our history. They get together and they disagree on the French Revolution. Thomas Jefferson and Thomas Paine say, this is our fight. How can you sit here? You like have a son. You have almost a son that came over from France to help. And now they need our help and you won't go. It's not our fight. It's not the same. Yes, it is. The people are crying out under the, the tyrant of the king. They want freedom. Yes, they do. But it's not the same. It's not our fight. Thomas Jefferson was calm enough to not say anything stupid, but Thomas Paine was just a, he was a, he wrote and stirred people up for a living. And he said to George Washington, out of all the people, out of all the people that would sit around on their hands when people are crying out for freedom and those people are French, I never would have thought it would be you sitting around doing nothing. I'm going to France. I recommend President Washington that you go to France. 
Washington said, we're never going to France. And if you decide to go, that is your right to do that. But I'm warning you, you're walking into a situation that is not the American Revolution. It is different. And if you get in trouble, you can write all you want. But this government will not go bail you out. You're making your choice now. Thomas Paine went. He wrote all kinds of things in support of the French Revolution until the guillotines came out. And then he realized, wait a minute, this is not the same fight. Because they were missing something. Their understanding of God and the church was wrapped up into the king. So they not only believe, didn't believe in church, they were anti-church and anti-God. Because remember, they had been taught God appoints the king. They knew that wasn't true, so God must not be true. That's why the guillotines came out. He almost lost his life. He never spoke to President Washington ever again. A very bright patriot that didn't see the subtle difference. Now let me tell you another story. After World War I, the churches had so discredited themselves because, again, the church said, this is what God wants. God wants us to go in and battle. And God will protect us. Well, it, God didn't protect the Germans, did they? Did, did God do that? Did, were they fine? No. They lost, and then they were humiliated. So the churches kind of did what our churches are doing. They're just kind of like, you know, hey, you know, hey, come on Sunday. Hey, come back. We're, we're, we're going to do a stage show. Well, they did whatever they had to do. Very few remains uh, faithful. We know that because after uh, Hitler uh, took over in 1933, it was just around 1934 that most of the Christian churches were meeting to get rid of the Old Testament because it was, quote, too Jewish. Now, how did they get to Hitler? They got to Hitler because the Weimar Republic was promising people an escape. They could do and say anything. It was a new world. And so while we had the roaring 20s, they had the roaring orgies. It was drugs as much as you wanted, easy to get. The hierarchy had been overthrown. Now the kids were in charge and the old people were out. The old people didn't understand. Homosexuality wasn't just, uh, wasn't just okay. It was embraced. The old traditions of a man and wife being married erased. The churches were ridiculous. Their, all traditional values had been flipped upside down. Why do they say that? Um, why do they say that uh, Hitler was? Uh, this was a Christian movement. He wasn't a Christian. He hated Christians. He put priests and all kinds of Christians, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, into concentration camps. The ones who were really speaking about God. Why? Why is this a Christian movement? not but he said the right things to a desperate people that wanted to have their traditions restored and he said what happened to us this isn't us 
This isn't us. Where's God? Where's decency? Where's living like we should? Where is the idyllic German that has a strong body and a strong mind and that can conquer anything? We're in a new era. Wow, that sounds exciting, especially if you've lost all of those things. So here's the thing. Whenever you want to get onto a bandwagon in times of great confusion, be very careful. The band may be playing what sounds like your song, but either a few notes, important notes will be missing, or there's extra notes that everyone says, oh, I know those extra notes are on the page, but they're, that's, they're not going to do that. They're just like me. When you look at Putin and say, yeah, I mean, he's standing up for traditional values. There are extra notes on his page. You can be for the people in Ukraine and still know that Putin is a bloodthirsty killer who says he's standing up for your values. But don't we hear that from a lot of dirtbag Two-faced politicians here as well. I'm gonna. You just give us the White House, the the House, and the Senate, and we are with you on your values. No, you're not. How many times are we going to be lied to by powerful elites? And then when another powerful elite comes in and says, "I'm with you," we go, "Yeah, that's right. They've been lying to us, but we believe you this time." Da, 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 da.